I've got a little thing on the. Oh. Uh, hello. Oh, okay. Now I guess we're recording. Hi. Oh, hello. <laughs> hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. What a brand new phone call we have just now. Oh man, so hello. seamless. I just picked up my telephone. Hello. That's why it says <laughs> bring, bring, bring at the beginning. Mhm. Mhm. That's why you hear that. Although yeah, I think I'm... there was an episode that I forgot to put that in. <laughs> you know. Because we are consummate professionals. We are. I am currently laying on my stomach, just kicking my heels back and forth, curling the telephone cord around my fingers. Oh, wow. And it's like a like a see-through phone. Oh, yes. I always wanted one of those. They were so cool. I know. I always wanted one, too. That's I had like a bright blue cool. one, though. Nice. Mine was white. Ooh. And I used to sit on my floor and talk to Evan Dodd for like four hours at a time. Uh, gross speaking like, of happy night. valentine's day happy valentine's day happy valentine's day happy or valentine's day. as i like to call it because of tina fey in 30 rock told me about this when i was a formative teenager it is also anna howard shaw's birthday nice and she was a leader of the uh suffragette movement in the u.s happy anna's birthday yep happy anna howard shaw day people Happy Anna Howard. Oh boy, that didn't it's go. It's a well. mouthful. No, it's a mouthful. Happy Anna Howard Shaw Day. Yeah. So. Great. Yeah, I love it. Um, how was your week? It was good. It was good. It was another. It so last week was crazy, like we discussed, right? Mm-hmm. And this week was just kind of like pushing through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just like I worked all week. And then when I wasn't at work, I was going back to the theater to try and finish things up. And so it was just like, if I could get through these two weeks, then it's a three-day weekend, then I can relax, then I can, you know what I mean? Did you see that tweet that was just somebody saying, adulthood is just saying, if I can just get through this week, everything will calm down until you die? Until you die? Yes, that's exactly (laughs) how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. Um, But I was like, if I can just get through these two weeks, they're going to be awful. I know Mm -hmm. they're going to be awful. But then I'll be done with that. And I can rest for three days and then jump back in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I showed up today at work and I was like, okay, one more day. I can do this. And there's a new guy that was in training. And literally I was there just in case he got sick or he got hurt or something happened while he was in the exam. And so... I had a free day to read and do my like touch up research on this and do nothing. And it was the best like surprise kickoff to the weekend. That sounds amazing. It was so, it was so nice. I just was the happiest little clam that ever was. (laughs) And I still am. Good. And now I have a three-day weekend, and we got stuff to make pancakes, because I've been craving pancakes for, like, three days. Amazing. So we're going to make pancakes on Sunday. Oh, man, it's going to be the best. Cute. Just, yeah. like, straight-up pancakes? I mean, are you throwing probably. like Are you throwing, like, bloobs in there? I, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the bloobs, so I'm not going to oh. throw those in there. I finished off the last of our bananas today. That's fine. Um, you can we, throw them away next time. 
<laughs> my calves cramp all the time. Like I need the potassium. Um, we have chocolate chips, but neither of us are big like sweets people. Mm-hmm. So I probably won't put those in there. But someone told me the other day that they one time had savory pancakes with bacon in them. And I'm curious. Mm, I'm curious. I think I feel really negatively about that. Of course you do. But I, on the other hand. (laughs) Rude. (laughs) (laughs) But like, how do you keep your bacon crispy? I don't know. I'll I'll just make it really extra crazy crispy. I don't know. I'll find out. And Mm -hmm. if it doesn't work, I'm going to test it on one. And if it doesn't work then I will keep it separate because the plan the whole time was pancakes and bacon. I really need you to report back on this. I will. I'll take photos. Please do. The whole thing. It'll be great. Oh yeah. And it will have just happened by the time this comes out. So yeah, I'll let everybody know how the bacon pancakes were. Great. I'm really curious. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a long week. I ran outside, which I never ever, ever do. And I went like twice as far as I thought I could. So that was really Girl. cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, uh, it's been a week, but it ended really well. You know? Good. How about you? Tell me about your week. How's your head? Um, Is it that downer. Sorry. Sucks. <laughs> it's, I mean, Not it's been a, you, I'm sorry. It's, it's been a little bit better today, which was nice. And, uh, yesterday it was decent, but, um, the beginning of the week especially was rough. Uh but during rehearsal, because that sounds awful. Um, it's okay during rehearsal. I think that it's easier for me to like it's easier for me to deal with it when I'm busy mm-hmm. because then it, I can have something to distract me. So yeah. like rehearsal is like okay. Like there have been like a few bad little twinges that I've gotten during rehearsal, but um it's it could be a lot worse, which is nice. Sure. Um, yeah. And then like today at work, like I was super busy. And so I had, you know, I had like a couple of moments of being like, wow, this really sucks. <laughs> but then, yeah. um, you know, so I don't know. It's been fine ish. I have a jaw massage scheduled for Friday. Okay. I don't know. They, it, there's like photos of it and it looks terrible i mean a jaw massage looks just awful close your eyes and don't think about what's happening because it's going to feel great yeah yeah that's true they like they like wear gloves and shit though because they like are in your mouth yeah massaging like your jaw pit (laughs) you know like i hate it it's like the photos of it look terrible but you know i figure if it helps my migraine then i'm game yeah why not yeah i found out this week that my uh, health insurance that I finally got does not cover uh, chiropractor therapy or massage. Cool. And I was like, cool. Those are the main things that I wanted did. this for. Hmm. So, that sucks. So I'm like calling back and forth, but I emailed this chiropractor and she emailed me. I was like, Hey, like I can't find it on your website. I can't find it on the health insurance website. Do you guys cover like, is this a network? And she was like, no, it's not. Honestly, I don't think any, chiropractor in Chicago accepts that insurance. Um, But then she like, not even her receptionist, the doctor emailed me all of these like ideas. And she was like, if you go here, they don't take any insurance. So the first time visit is only $30. 
if you go over here, like they can sometimes do sliding scale. She's like, I'll keep an eye out and I'll let you know if anything else pops up. Um, like went so far above and beyond anything that she had any obligation to do after I was like, That's I'm so, so sorry. Awesome. You can cancel my appointment. I can't afford it. Then she just like delved deep. And I was like, you are the sweetest human, Dr. Oh. Sarah. I don't remember your last name. <laughs> it was so sweet. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep emailing around and digging and I'm going to find someone to pop my back 17 times. Yeah, man. Nice. We'll figure it out. Oh, also, I have something to address. Oh, my. Are you breaking up with me? <laughs> On this Anna Howard Shaw day? Uh, no. <laughs> um, I have gotten so much shit from literally everyone I've ever met in my life that also listens to this podcast. So by from like five people. That went about, from a real big diagram to a real small diagram. <laughs> <laughs> about the fact that I have not seen Newsies and or. Yes. What's the one with. With. Robin Williams. Dead Poet oh. Society. <laughs> I thought you meant musicals. I seen like Aladdin. <laughs> either of those movies. And yes. I got so many people being like, what the fuck? You haven't seen Newsies? The Babe like, no. Five is with me. I, am I have so not. <laughs> happy about this turn of events. Fix First day of rehearsal, watch Jill. First day of rehearsal, Jill goes, what the fuck? You haven't seen Newsies? I was like, I can't Seriously, do this with you right now. It just came out. together, Jill, <laughs> night moves. I am with you. Like, oh. I can't do this i've never been happier be shamed go watch those movies but mainly dead poet society oh god fine okay fine Jeez. Yay. um hey i have a question for you yeah, hit me. <laughs> uh what are you drinking i am branching out oh and depending on how you look at it it could either be a divorcee drink or a classy as fuck drink oh can i guess yes please do is it a let's see you said a divorcee, so I'm thinking like gin. Okay, nailed it, nailed it. <laughs> but yes. in what form? Amazing. <laughs> um, are you drinking? Well, it's not a gin and tonic because that's too easy. It is, and it's a little too sorority girl for me. Yeah. Um, is it like a? I don't know. The other half of it was classy. The other half of it was classy. Is it like a gin and vermouth? That's the only classy thing I can think of. (laughs) That's incredibly close. It is a gin martini, but there's not vermouth in it. Uh, There are vermouth olives. Hmm. But Um, I'm going to level with you, and I don't know what vermouth is. So (sighs) it's a a good guess on that you have not bartended for seven years. Haven't. Have not. That's a good thing. Hold on to your humanity. Um, yeah, so I'm having a dirty gin martini. What are you having? I am having a Diet Coke. <laughs> Ooh. Mostly crisp, because cold. we are out of White Claw, but Evan is bringing some home. So halfway through, I might go get one. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, okay. dude. I'll talk about it later. It's fine. Okay. You can talk about in. it now. We can no, just it ties into my babe. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, uh, speaking of, hi, welcome to Babe Town. <laughs> hi. Oh, my God. Welcome to Babe Town. Holy oh shit. <laughs> I feel welcome. I hope you feel welcome. 
Yeah. Valkyrie is oh. sitting weirdly far away from me, so I don't think she feels welcome, and I'm not really sure why. It's fine. She'll she'll warm up to it. I hope so. Our apartment is very cold, and I could use the extra warmth. Um, I have a second question for you. Yeah. What is it? Oh, my God. I'm so curious. What year was your babe born? Oh, wow. Shock and awe. I did not see that coming. My babe was born in 1927. When was oh, your babe born? Man, I am going first by a hair. Oh, really? My babe was born in 1923. Oh, dang. Just, yeah. just a little. Okay. Just ready. by a hair. Okay. Reagan. Healer. Have you ever heard of Alice Coachman? I don't think so, no. Yes. Tell me her story. I will. Um, okay. Alice Coachman was born November 9th, 1923 in Albany, Georgia. Okay. Okay. Um, she had nine siblings. Yikes. Too many. So many. So many siblings. Um, and she was right in the middle. She was number five. So, so there were ten total? Ten total. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Yep. Um, so when she was a kid, she goes to this uh, track and field competition for boys, obviously, because it's 1920s. Um, and she is, like, immediately obsessed. And, like, she's mm-hmm. like, sports is all that I want to do forever all the time right and her parents were like not into it at all her parents thought that uh it wasn't ladylike for her to go into sports so they didn't really encourage her at all for it uh there was an essence article where she is quoted as uh talking about the fact that her parents didn't want her to go into track and field or like really do sports at all. She says, quote, it was a rough time in my life. It was a time when it wasn't fashionable for women to become athletes. And my life was wrapped up in sports. I was good at three things, running, jumping and fighting. <laughs> Dang. I've been bad at all of those things all of my life. A legit queen. Um, so on top of like not being <laughs> encouraged to go into track and field, at home or like even really participate in it. It's not even really a question of going into it at this point. Cause she's like a little kid. Like we're talking like first through third grade. Oh, like a little kid is like not she being just wants to run. I know. <laughs> I know. And like, I love that she's talking about how she was only good at fighting and she's like a seven year old. <laughs> That's the best. Um, so on top of that, she also lives in Georgia in the 1920s. So oh, it's God. segregated as shit. Um, she couldn't even really find anywhere to like train because yeah. of how terrible it was. Yeah. Um, so lucky for her, Cora Bailey was her fifth grade teacher and her aunt named Carrie Spry. Both of them were like, no, you're fucking going to be an athlete. Like, that's what you want to do. That's what you're going to fucking do. So both of them are like super encouraging. So um, because of them, she like figures out that she can just kind of make her own training courses. So she starts like collecting little bits and bobs of like random scrap material and like building track and field event courses. Like she builds her own like high jump things and like she doesn't really have even shoes to do it so she just trains barefoot what yeah yeah so she's like real into it she goes to an event she sees the high jumping and she's like that's what I'm gonna be really good at she's like that's what I'm gonna 
learn how to do better than anywhere. So um, because of um, because of her kind of like makeshift courses and learning to participate in track and field events barefoot, she develops this like really like every article that I read talked about her unusual jumping style because she learned how to do it barefoot. So like yeah. her form is super different than every, everyone else's, but she's like killer at it. So um, in 1938, she goes to Madison High School and she meets a man named Harry Lash, who is the track coach for the boys team. And he sees her like participating in one of these, I think there were like, events around town maybe um because he like sees her at a thing participating and he just he sees her jump over an entire tree he's like <laughs> he's um, like i've got the job for you back in my day i was called lash the flash do you need some, <laughs> some drink? wow i am gonna buy a dog tomorrow and i'm gonna name him yes. lash the flash yes i know you're joking but i want you to get a dog so badly <laughs> everyone dude you and me both um okay so harry lash he starts helping her out, um, even though he's like the boys track and field coach, which I think is really cool that yeah. he's like, you're fucking great. Like, I'm going to help. So one year later, this so she was a freshman in 1938. So a year later, he helps her get into the Tuskegee Institute. Tuskegee. <laughs> oh, I meant to look this up. You've got this it kid. It is T-U-S-K-E-G-E-E. We know. The airmen were from there. Do you know what it, do you, how do you say it? No, say it again. It was good. No, help me. <laughs> Tus, Tuskegee? No. Is it like squeegee? No. Tuskegee. Yes. Tuskegee? Well, but A hard no, G? It sounds weird when you say it. Yes. <laughs> like the Tuskegee airmen. Okay. <laughs> okay. She goes there. She goes to the Tuskegee Institute <laughs> in Alabama. Um, <laughs> so she enrolls in their the high school, Tuskegee. like Sorry. The, in their like high school track and field program. Um, so in 1939, uh, that same year, it was before classes even started for her school. Um, she wins the amateur athletic union high jump competition. Good for her. So now. <laughs> We are into like primo time of her setting records and breaking records and winning medals like all over yeah. the place. Yeah. So in the early 40s, she wins the AAU, that amateur athletic union. Um, she wins the AAU nationals for both high jump and the 50 meter dash. She wins the national championship for the 50 meter dash, the 100 meter dash, the 400 meter relay and the high jump. <laughs> Yeah, like oh all over the God. place. She was setting records. Um, She's she also faster than everyone ever. Yeah. Yes. Um, so unfortunately, despite her being the like primo candidate for it, World War II hits. So the Olympic Games are canceled in both 1940 and 1944. Um a sports writer named Eric Williams says, quote, had she competed in those canceled Olympics, we would probably be talking about her as the number one female athlete of all time. Oh, I know. Um, so 1946, she graduates from Tuskegee Institute <laughs> with a degree in dressmaking. Wow. A degree in dressmaking. Cute. And like the most 40s thing that I've ever heard. 
It's true. Also, I think if you imagine the first E as an I, <laughs> it'll help. Tuskegee. Yes. Okay. Okay. I Carry see on. you. Um, okay, so she, yeah, she gets a degree in dressmaking and a minor in science, which, like, is what the cutest, most 40s thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, Seriously. oh, man, I love it. Um, okay, so 1948, we're another four years out, so another Olympics mm-hmm. is on the horizon, mm-hmm. and she qualifies easily despite having a back injury during the qualifications. She qualifies easily, like, amazing. So She's an entire lap around everybody else. She stops, she's like, ouch. This is the high jump, dude. Oh, never mind. Like, with a back injury. Yeah, that doesn't seem... Possible? Safe. (laughs) So, I, like, I tweak my back, like, shifting at work. Like, just... Sitting up differently makes my back hurt. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm falling apart. So, um... I think we all are. My back just hurts all the time. Is that just... That might just... Yeah. Jeez. I don't know. Maybe we're just old as shit. Maybe. Although, at this point in time... maybe we're just not as athletic, so we don't have muscles back there to protect our back. I was going to say, at this point in time, she's 25, by the way. That's it. So... You know. Damn, girl. Get it. Yeah. Um, so the Olympics that year were held in London. Um, she and another athlete named Dorothy Tyler, who was from the UK, they both tied the high jump. You ready for this? Oh, boy. Five feet, six and an eighth inches. They can jump taller than me? Dude, right? I read that and I was like, what the fuck do that you mean that doesn't. they both jumped that high? How is that even possible? It doesn't seem possible. I know. Um, so she and Dorothy Tyler, they both tie. But Dorothy Tyler, it took her three times to hit that, whereas mm-hmm. Alice Coachman hit it on her first try. Dang. So they both tie, but Alice Coachman brings home the gold at the 1948 London Olympics. Her medal was awarded by King George the Ninth. Whoa. What's V1? <laughs> Uh, V1 is, wait, V1, that's six. That's what I said then. Yeah, it was King George yes, six. you did say that, and I remember I, it. I said that because I know Roman numerals. Mm-hmm. Um, So talking about her win, she says, quote, I didn't know I'd won. I was on my way to receive the medal, and I saw my name on the board. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I glanced over into the stands where my coach was, and she was clapping her hands. Oh. Oh my God. She like talks about, um, I didn't put it in here, but there's another quote of hers where she talks about like standing on the podium and hearing them start to play the national anthem and seeing her name on the board that just said a coachman and being like, wow, this is real. And she like thought it was the coolest thing that the King awarded her medal, which like, those are the moments that I just start crying and I can't stop crying. I know. Everybody's hard work has paid off and you did it. I know. God, it's like, so little sidebar story. Um, When Memphis came up here, mm-hmm. she's got, have you seen that show or listened to that show? I've listened to it. I have not seen it. So the main lady has a like solo song and she's the only one on stage and there's like no lighting or anything. Like it's yeah, just regular. It's she's just standing on stage, belting her face off. And when we saw it, 
she she nailed that song so much she got a standing O in the middle of the show. Man. One lady. And it made me sob because I was like, yeah. this lady has worked so hard and put so much work into this. And this is like her yeah. moment. Like she owns this whole theater right now. It was I so cool. Sob. I was sobbing. It was amazing. right now. It's fine. I know. It was yeah. incredible. It was incredible and like burned into my brain. Wow. Ugh. So anyway, back to Alice Coachman. Mm-hmm. Um, once she's back in the U.S., she was like a national hero, right? Because like, of course she was. Yeah. Um, she meets President Truman. She has a parade thrown in her honor in her hometown. But it's still the 40s and she's still mm-hmm. from Georgia. So at her ceremony back home, the audience was segregated. And even though the mayor sat with her on stage, which like, how gracious of you, he refuses to shake her hand. <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah. Right? I know. Doesn't that just make your blood boil? Oh. Oh, my God. Do you want to hear something worse? She had to leave her own ceremony through a side door. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I hate people so much. I know. How fucking terrible is that? But do you want to hear something that's going to make you, like... Yes, please. Like, proud of her? In an interview with the... In an interview with the Telegraph... She says, quote, we had segregation, but it wasn't any problem for me because I had won. That was up to them whether they accepted it or not. I mean, yeah. Yeah. God, way to be the like, bigger fuck person. you. Right. Oh, my God. Like, the idea that even through that, she could be like, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I did my shit, and I know that I did my shit real well. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So the 1948 London Olympics were her only Olympics. She decided to end on a high note. So she retired that year from track field. Um, She was the only American woman to win gold that year. And she was the first black woman in Olympics history to win gold. Oh, my God. Wow. I know. Amazing. That's really amazing. So after she's home, um, she hits another milestone and because of her win, she becomes the first African-American woman to become an international product spokesperson when Coca-Cola hired her. Nice. Yeah. Um, In 1996, the Olympics were held in Atlanta and she was recognized as one of the 100 greatest Olympic athletes of all time. Hell yeah. 2004, she's inducted into the U S Olympics hall of fame. Um, Fun little fact. She's in nine different hall of fames. Nice. Nine of them. How what I the didn't fuck? even know that many Hall of Fames existed. I know. I know. So after retirement at age 25, which like cracks me up, <laughs> um, she becomes a teacher and eventually she founds the Alice Coachman Foundation, which helps former Olympic athletes adjust to like regular life after participating oh. in the Olympic Games. Isn't that amazing? Ugh. I know. Um, so in 2014, she dies after complications from a stroke. Um, so a last little quote from her that I love because I, I'm so in awe of people who can just like effortlessly acknowledge and be proud of their own success Mm -hmm. and like not 
be arrogant about it. Just be yeah, just like just be genuinely proud. confident about it. And like, yeah, I did that thing. And it was really fucking cool because like, I can't do that at all. I have to like yeah. undercut everything, everything. So I'm like genuinely just blown away by people who can just acknowledge like, yeah, I made a difference and it was awesome. So she says, quote, I made a difference among the blacks being one of the leaders. If I had gone to the games and failed, there wouldn't be anyone to follow in my footsteps. It encouraged the rest of the women to work harder and fight harder. Man. Which I love. Cause like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And it's so rare that somebody gets to see that legacy happen. Yeah. You know, I also wonder like how many black women before her could have broken records and won Olympic gold medals had they been given the chance, the coaching, mm -hmm. the train, you know, like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's great. And I am so obsessed with this lady now <laughs> and, and I've never heard of her, which is insane. Yeah. For real. That's insane. Yeah. And like, there are so many, like every single article that I read just listed off like all of these, subsequent amazing like Olympic track and field athletes that oh, cool. had referenced like, yeah, like Alice Coachman is one of my big inspirations. And like, it's just so cool to me that she got to see that, you know? I mean, it all comes, but it's that thing of representation. Mm -hmm. It matters. Yeah. Because yeah. seeing someone do what you love, seeing someone do what you want to do is like undeniable proof that you can do it. Yeah. And also like just her total, like, I don't give a fuck. Nobody can't like, nobody can get me down about any of this with yeah. the mayor won. being the shittiest. Yeah. The mayor. Oh my God. What a piece of shit. Yeah. So anyway, wow. that's a pretty cool story of Alice Coachman. That's a very cool story. Good job, dude. Thanks. Uh, let me source my shit real quick. Yeah. Um, so my two main sources, uh, the Georgia Encyclopedia has mm -hmm. a really amazing entry from Lisa Ennis um, that details like all of Alice Coachman's stuff. Um, and then there's an undefeated article written by Rhiannon Walker called The Day Alice Coachman Became the First Black Woman to Win Olympic Gold, which was mm. another obviously amazing help. Um, and then biography.com, encyclopedia.com, and Wikipedia. Wikipedia. And, yeah, those are, uh, those are my sources. Wow. Good job, dude. That's Thanks. an amazing story. Thanks. Big yeah. fan of that lady. Hell yeah, as you should be. All right, well, sit back, relax. Tell me a story. I will. Taylor, have you ever heard the story of Hazel Johnson Brown? No. All right, well, I'm here to tell you. It's really good. Okay, so Hazel was born Hazel Winifred Johnson on October 10th, 1927 in Westchester, Pennsylvania, but she grew up in a nearby Quaker town of Malvern is I think how you say it. And I know literally nothing about Quakers other than stereotypes, mm -hmm. but the name Malvern sounds really fitting for a small yeah. Quaker town. Yeah. Just, I just picture like, right. 
I picture like Shroot Farms. Yeah, that's exactly. Yes. That's what I picture. Yeah. Um, her mom and dad were named Garnett and Clarence Johnson. And she was one of uh, seven siblings. So she many. Four brothers and two sisters. Yeah, it's too many. So many. Um, they were all farmers. And fun fact, they grew the tomatoes that Campbell's used in their soup. Wow, cute. I know. Isn't that precious? Oh, um, shit. Their family core values were discipline, diligence, unity, and education. So they were real fun. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sounds like they a really, great time. Sorry, loose. are they Quakers? Or they just live in like a Quaker area? I don't know. Okay. I imagine they are, but I don't know. Okay. Um, basically, everybody worked on the farm and out in the community. So she begins working outside the home at the ripe old age of 12 years old. Oh, man. Wow. I'm yeah. surprised that she wasn't already retired. Seriously. Lazy, you know? Oh, God. Um, and that was also in addition to raising her younger siblings, working the acreage, um, cooking, cleaning, washing, and ironing. Cool. So she had, like, a ton of free time. Yeah. As All a 12-year-old. the world is the 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, okay. you know, the hardest worker in the universe. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But uh, from a very young age, she knew that she wanted to be a nurse. Yes. And her sister, like reflecting back, thinks that it's because she admired the nurse that was like in their town that helped their family so much. Um, she just like looked up to her from day one and always wanted to be a nurse. So when she was old enough, she applied at the Chester School of Nursing, where she was told by the head of the department that, quote, oh, no. they never had a black person in our program and we never will. Wow. So holy shit, what year is this? Um that year was uh, it's nineteen forties, late nineteen forties. Wow. Yeah. That is uh so that woman can go fuck right off. Um wow. yeah. But the nurse that she had looked up to for so long was a, a white woman, and that nurse believed in her. And was like, this is some white-ass bullshit. I'm very sorry. And helped her gain admission to the Harlem Hospital School of Nursing in New York. Where she graduated with her nursing diploma in 1950. Wow. Yeah. Uh, She worked at Harlem Hospital's ER for three years before moving back to Pennsylvania. And worked at the Philadelphia VA Hospital in the cardiovascular ward. And became head nurse. Guess how long it took her to become head nurse? I'm going to guess... Like eight months. Three months. What? What? Three months. Three months. Three months. Because everybody was like, yeah, she's the best. Wow. She's the best. And while she was working for them, she was also going to Villanova and working towards her baccalaureate degree in nursing. Because she's used to working 16 jobs since she was 12. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. This lady already is making me feel like the laziest piece of shit. I mean, reading this, I was like, Reagan, <laughs> you can put away the dishes. Reagan, like, what are you doing? Good Lord. <laughs> um, so then she gets nervous, or not nervous, <laughs> she gets curious about the Army Nurse Corps. 
because she figured that if she joined the army, she could travel, change her horizons, and do many things. Oh, my God. So she joins the Army Nurse Corps in 1955, which was seven years after President Truman ordered the desegregation of the Army. Uh, There, she served on the first female surgical ward at the Walter Reed Army Medical Center. Walter Reed Army Medical is going to come back a few times. So just keep that little nugget in your head. That part sounds very familiar to me, which makes me think that maybe I've heard this at some point. But like so far, only that part has sounded familiar. Okay. Uh, who knows? We'll see as we go. Mm-hmm. So first she serves uh, surgical ward Walter Reed, and then she's on an OB unit in Camp Zama, Japan, where she quickly realized that she hated OB. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she finished her commitment because she's a damn wonderful human being. Yeah, of course she is. Yeah. So once her tour was done, she returned to work at the VA in Philly and continued her part-time classes at Villanova. Um, but needed some fi- financial aid, so she ended up joining the Army Nurse Corps Registered Nurse Student Program. And That's with their cool. assistance, it sure is. <laughs> I legitimately practiced that earlier today. Wow. Um, and there are a lot of mouthfuls in this story, but you know what? We're gonna we're gonna make it through. Mm-hmm. Um, with their help, she completed her bachelor's degree in 1959. Man, just wait. So then. <laughs> She is shipped to Washington, where she served until they sent her to San Francisco. Um, I'm also cutting out a lot of details. I'm sure. It sounds like this lady is very busy. Yeah, and all of them are like, where she did this, and she served on here, and then this board of, like, I mean, she does not stop. Wow. It's incredible. Um, So from 1960 to 62, she's back at Walter Reed working as a operating room nurse. So then she decides to go to Columbia University's Teachers College, where she earned a fucking master's degree. Wow. While she's nursing. Wow. Full time. At Columbia. I don't. Okay. So then from 1963 to 1966, she's teaching OR students, OR nursing students. So then in 1966, she accepted a special assignment that was evaluating something called the must hospital. It was the mobile unit self-contained transportable hospital. Okay. So the idea was that they would have these in Vietnam and they would be able to travel around wherever they needed to help the men and women serving in Vietnam. Okay. So this one was destined to become the 45th surgical hospital in Vietnam. And her plan was to move with the unit and become the operating room supervisor But before they deployed, she got a lung infection, so she had to stay home. Shortly after that must unit, must hospital, got to Vietnam, they were attacked, and the woman who had taken her place was killed. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Jeez, that being an army nurse must be the worst. And the scariest. I mean, like, you would have, yeah. Like, you have to not only be brave enough to handle all the shit that you would see nursing, but also that times wartime. Yeah, you have to, like, be in a war, but shut down those feelings so that you can care for the people in front of you with whatever tools you have at your side. Right. And then you're, like, on top of all of that, seeing, like, wartime level 
Injuries. Injuries, yes. Oof. And PTSD and trauma and woof. Man. Yeah. Wow. I just. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, so from 1967 to 1973, she served as the first nurse on staff at the Medical Research and Development Command. So then in 73, the Army sent her to get her Ph.D. from the Catholic University of America because somehow she still hadn't learned it all. Wow. I don't. They're like, hey. So she has a nursing diploma. Diploma? She has a bachelor's. She has a master's. And now she's getting a Ph.D. All in nursing. Because they're like, hey, you're the best. So we need you to be the best best. And know everything there is to know. She's like, okay. She's like, yeah, okay, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that while I'm doing 11,000 you know, other jobs. Also run all these other jobs. Okay. Wow. Um. So wh- while she's studying to get her PhD, <laughs> she became the director and assistant dean of Walter Reed. What? But How? I, How does she have time? I, d- I don't understand it. I Physically, the, the hours don't make sense. This is about the time that I was like, you can get up and put the dishes away. <laughs> like, <laughs> You lazy piece of shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so the article that I got this information from said while she was presiding over the school's closure, and I think that meant Walter Reed, mm. um, but it didn't really say, because it's an Army Institute of Nursing. Maybe it wasn't a school. I don't know. She was presiding over some school's closure, mm-hmm. question mark. <laughs> But while she was doing that, she was researching, writing, and defending her dissertation. Wow. And then she got her PhD in 1978. Um, so once she had that, she served for a year as chief nurse of the 121st Evacuation Hospital in Seoul, Korea. Because what? This lady. <laughs> it, I mean. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so then in 1979. The Army nominated her to become the 16th Chief of the Army Nurse Corps with an accompanying promotion to Brigadier General, which made her the first African-American female to reach the level of general and the first black chief of the Army Nurse Corps. That Simultaneous. Makes cry. She's like, oh, I would like to just crush all of this please wow that just makes me want to cry because like i just picture her the whole time just having that fucking lady's face in her in her brain telling her that they'll never have a black nurse yeah also there's like one main photo of her around and it looks like someone took a photo while she was talking because she just didn't slow down ever (laughs) and it looks like she's looking at the camera she's got like one eyebrow up a little bit and the mood of the photo is like let me tell you some shit right now. Or like, I need you to shut mm. the fuck up. Like, it's very like, sit down. I'm in charge. We're going to handle this. Oh, it's so Amazing. good. Wow. So at the time of her promotion, General Johnson Brown is quoted as saying, race is an incidence of birth. I hope the criterion for selection didn't include race, but competence. Yeah, She's exactly. The best. Exactly. <laughs> like, Wow. Yeah. So then she tells this story in a lot of the interviews of going to get a hot dog with her mom in Philly and going to a hot dog stand. Mm-hmm. And multiple times, this is several times, 
the waitress would walk past them to serve the white customers first. Barf. And then when she finally delivered their order, General Johnson Brown refused to take it and said, no, now you eat it to the waitress. <laughs> and they left. Wow. I was like, yes, queen. Wow. Yeah. She had zero patience for racism. And I fucking good. <laughs> Nobody should have any patience for racism. I know. I know. It's oh God. I love it. Um, so anyway, while she's Brigadier General and Chief of the Army Nurse Corps, I just selected a few of my favorite achievements. Again, <laughs> I cut out a bit. She wow. started scholarships. She encouraged student nurses to publish. She established a summer camp for nursing ROTC cadets. She literally wrote the first standards of practice for the Army Nurse Corps. She encouraged development and development and implementation of quality assurance in treatment facilities. She laid the foundation for the strategic planning conference that put nurses at the table for deciding the future of the army nurse corps. She was just like, hi, we're going to change all of this. That's amazing. From the ground up. She was like, first of all, everything needs to be cleaner and you need to have a standard for practice in all of this. And they were like, we don't have one. She was like, great. I'll make it. <laughs> wow yeah um her military decorations include the distinguished service medal the legion of merit the meritorious service medal which meritorious hilarious word <laughs> the yeah. army commendation medal and she was twice named army nurse of the year <sighs> and then as the first african-american appointed as chief of the army nurse corps she commanded 7,000 men and women nurses in the Army National Guard and Army Reserves. She set policy and oversaw operations in eight Army medical centers, 56 community hospitals, and 143 freestanding clinics in the U.S., Japan, Korea, Germany, Italy, and fucking Panama. <sighs> Holy shit. How? Wow. How? That's I, that's too much. I want her I want her to take a day off and like go get I a massage. Get I don't wow. think she wants a day off because she'd be like someone's not doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Like what? I read that sentence a few times and was like, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute." It just it okay. So she retires from the army in 1983, three decades. Wow. Almost. Um, but what she did not do was stop working. So she begins uh, as an associate professor at Georgetown. And then she becomes a full professor at George Mason. And then sweet General Johnson Brown headed the American Nurses Association Government Relations Unit. <laughs> And then directed the George Mason University Center for Health Policy. And then wow. in 1990, when Desert Storm happened, she volunteered to return to the operating room at a VA hospital in Virginia. Hang on. Isn't she like in her 70s? Yep. Almost 70? Yep. Wow. Yeah. She was wow. like, no, what? you know what? You need me. So, <laughs> excuse me. Amazing. Um, 
she officially like retired, retired in 1997. And, and is, then I assume that she continued doing things. <laughs> probably. She's uh, like, yeah, I'm totally retired. I'm yeah, super sure. retired, you guys. Don't so worry. retired. I'm knitting. <laughs> I'm gardening. Her garden's full of like military nurse secrets. I bet that she like just went at being retired. I hope so, dude. You know, I hope that she like filled up every single day doing like aggressively retired shit. Like, like, like making her garden this like huge thing. I mean, I don't know how else she could go about life. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, I didn't include it because it's not a real big thing. But at some point, she married a dude named David Brown, which is how she got Brown after Johnson Brown. That's funny because uh, Alice Coachman also got married and had kids. And I was like, yes, this is, yeah, this Hazel, is part of it, Hazel but never had not. kids, but she got his name. And then the marriage ended quickly. So I'm like, nah, nobody cares. Yeah, whatever. Um, unfortunately, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And she spent her final years living with her sister Gloria in Wilmington, Delaware. And then Alzheimer's eventually killed her on August 5th, 2011. Wow. Yeah. And that is the crazy story of General Hazel Johnson Brown. The woman that, that did not quit. So great. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Man. Holy the more shit. like I was sold on her in the first two paragraphs and then it just kept going. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're my like, God. oh, this Wikipedia page is 7000 pages long. And every paragraph was like a new adventure. I was like, what? Yeah, wow. it was it was crazy. Um, She was the best. So to quickly source my shit, um, the Army Military website, uh, visionaryproject.org has a thing called National Visionary Leadership Project, um, which had a piece on her that was really cool. Um, there was an article in the Washington Post by Emily Langer for her obituary that was really informative and beautiful. Um, but my like deep dive article was written by Mary T. Sarnecki. For the Army Women's Foundation. And it was fascinating. Wow. Oh, my God. It was so good. Good job, Army. Army. Good job, Mary. (laughs) Good job, Army. (laughs) If you switch around the letters, it's the same thing. Oh, oh my God. What if Mary is a real person? She's just the Army. You've cracked the code. I figured it out, you guys. Mm -hmm. Wow, good work. Thanks, man. It was really fun. (laughs) Yeah. And it made me feel pretty lazy, but you know what? In a good way. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Ah, <sighs> so Taylor, tell me about your babe of the week. Um, okay. I mean, I think that my babe of the week has to be Sweet Jill Hell because yeah. we started our rehearsals this week, and it's so fun, and it's I'm so glad that my theater hiatus is coming to a close with Jill. At the helm. Good. Um, I just, yeah, I think that she's great and is going to direct a really fun, great show. And, like, I've just had a blast all week at rehearsal. And Good. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be good, and I'm really excited about it. And I'm really proud of Jill for, like, going for it. And I think it's going to be great. 
Wow. That's really awesome. Yeah. I really wish I could see it. Yeah, me too. Um, who's yours? Um, I fought against this all week and it feels weird and it feels awful, but I think it's, it, I kept coming back to it and you know what, whatever. Um, my babe of the week is my damn self. Yeah, it fucking is. I was really hoping you were going to say that. It has been, it's been a couple weeks in mm-hmm. and I am really proud of the stuff that I've done. I am taking steps towards therapy. I am taking steps towards my own physical health. It has been a brutal body image week in every single way. And instead of, I don't know, wallowing in it or whatever, I went out and I ran and it felt really good. And it was, I signed up for my first film class today. I like put the deposit down and registered, which was terrifying because like I was going to do the intro, like basic class, whatever. And then someone from the school emailed me and was like, hey, you're super overqualified for this. And I was like, I've never done any film anything. And she was like, I don't care. You need to take the class two steps up. Yes. So I'm taking the class that's two levels higher than what I thought. And I'm terrified. And I am so excited. And I have no idea what it's going to be like. And it might be awful and I might hate it or it might be incredible and I might love it or most likely it's going to be both. Um, But it's eight weeks and I was ready for it to start in like March and it starts Monday after next. Wow. And so I'm just like, okay, we're going. We're we're doing this. That's great. And I'm going to make it work and I'm going to figure it out and it's going to be great. It is going to be great, but I'm, I'm so proud of you and I'm so glad that you are your babe of the week. I almost said something whenever you were talking earlier about people being proud of themselves Mm -hmm. because I was like, I'm working on learning how to celebrate myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because I a don't know how to rest and I B don't know how to celebrate myself because again, Mm -hmm. like, like you said, I'm always undercutting it or making excuses or you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm trying really hard to be proud of my talent, be proud of what I do. And when people ask me what I do for a living, say I'm an actor with confidence and not like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm an actor, I'm an act, I'm an actor. I act. Mm-hmm. But like, but like not in, like not make justifications for it. Yeah. That is what I do. At the end. And I'm good at it. Fucking yeah, you are. Are you kidding me? Um, That's great. I love that. And I'm going to cut 0% of that because I love all of it. <laughs> and I want the world to know. about how great I think you are and how great I want you to think that you are and how great it sounds like you are starting to think that you are. Wow. Well, um, to anybody listening, thanks for doing that. We appreciate that you did that. If you want to yell at me about Newsies, though, you should do so on our Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) See how seamless that was? Seamless. Um, Facebook or Instagram, or even on Twitter. You can yell at me about Newsies all you want. Yell at her about Newsies. Yell at her about Dead Poet Society. Yell at her about how to pronounce Tuskegee. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I was really hoping, like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just cut out how stupid I sound, but now we've referenced it so many times. It would be oh, like no, you got to leave episode. that shit in. Okay, fine. Yes, yes fine. 
fine phrase. Jeez, humanity, Taylor. It makes man. Me- it was horrible. Like getting to that word on my paper because I was like, man, I meant to look this up before I Here called Reagan. Because <laughs> I like when I was like writing it out, I was like, I don't know how to say this. I was like, it's fine. Like I've got plenty of time. I'll just look it up. And then I forgot until I was reading it on this podcast. I was like, well, I guess here we go. I love it. Maybe I won't get roasted endlessly. Turns out, no. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) Turns out, no. You think I can Um, resist something like that? Please. Absolutely. That's not not what this friendship is based on. Um, you guys subscribe to us. (laughs) And also review us. It helps. And we appreciate you. We love you. Yeah. Um, tell your friends about us. Do that too. That'd be fun. And be like, hey, I really like this thing and I want you to like this thing too. Or if it's people that you really hate, be like, oh my God, I really like this thing. You should listen to it. And then maybe they'll hate it and then you can like get revenge on them. But either way, um, I would love if people told us why they're proud of themselves. I would, I would love it if people told us why they're proud of yourself. I might do a separate Instagram post that's like, hey, tell us why you're proud of yourself. Yes. I condone this. Great. Um, great. Well, geez. We I'm, sure did that. I'm going to go watch some horror movies with my dude because it's our Valentine's Day tradition. Weird and precious. Um, it's what we do every Valentine's Day. We watch shitty horror movies. I found one that's Gary Oldman and Emily Mortimer called Mary. And Gary Oldman buys a boat and then they take it out on open water and find out that it's haunted. And the tagline of the movie is, there's no place to hide on a boat. You've never sounded more like April Ludgate in your entire life. <laughs> so we're going to watch that because it's Valentine's life. Day. <laughs> um, I am going to probably watch The Office. Because we've been working our way back through the office and it's been really delightful. And uh, snuggle my pup. Sounds great. Also, I love you. And I I really love this. I love this. It's just the best. I love it so much. Yeah, it's real. It's a real good time. All right. I'll talk to you in a week. (laughs) Have fun. (laughs) Have fun on Valentine's. You too. (laughs) Bye.